What up, guys? It is Sunday as I'm recording this. A little bit late, but this episode will be coming out as usual. So happy Monday for those who are early listeners. I'm so excited for this week's episode. It is going to be just me this time. And I'm happy to introduce this topic, something that I've been passionate about for the last few years and something more recently that I've really taken advantage of since graduating college is personal finance. Yes, what you all dread the most and what everyone is so underprepared about, even from a finance major, saying this is quite ironic. But yes, I didn't know anything about personal finance, to be honest, until I started working until I started understanding my spending and saving habits and really digging into what my career goals were. Because at the same time, your financial goals are tied closely to said career goals and even personal goals like going on vacations or spending time with family and friends and creating those experiences require money, unfortunately. And so really excited to jump into this week's episode. So definitely stay tuned if you want to learn how to better manage your money. However, disclaimer, I am not a financial advisor and I don't have a CPA. So I don't know what I'm saying technically, but definitely take everything with a grain of salt. With that being said, let's jump right in. Happy Monday and happy Mother's Day weekend. I hope everyone had some time hopefully to call or celebrate in person with their mothers, but fantastic weekend to just be together with family and friends. Had a great one, got my parents in town and got to eat a lot of great food and hike around Austin. So definitely coming off a very, very good weekend and back to reality and back to work now. But yeah, today's topic is really exciting. And to be honest, one that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, probably since the first episode, but I just didn't know what the right timing would be. And I know money is an incredibly sensitive topic. And I want to do my best job to explain what I know and also educate those who are trying to learn more about personal finance as they graduate college or maybe, you know, it's been a few months since starting work and they know it's an important topic, but they don't know where to start. If that sounds like you, then this podcast episode will be perfect. I'm going to keep this pretty simple and go over a few high level topics. And if you guys like the episode, I can definitely go more in depth and have a part two and maybe part three. There's so much I could go on about, but for today, I think covering the basics about understanding the value of money, saving versus spending, good versus bad debt, and just diversifying your income streams, I think are really great topics just to ease the average Joe in. And I won't spill any complex or complicated finance terms, and this isn't going to be anything new. I just want to reiterate, this is just instilling good habits and understanding how to manage your money and understanding why it's so important to be early on in this process so that you don't have to struggle with it later when you have a family or when you want to buy nicer things or buy a home. I think this is a gradual, gradual process that will lead to long-term wealth. And that's truly the goal of personal finance. And definitely, if you are curious about this, there's plenty of videos on YouTube, Investopedia, plenty of websites to help you out. Don't take my word for it. You can find a lot more resources online than what you can here and this podcast. All right, so I mentioned the value of money. And what does that mean? So something I've been thinking about a lot is, well, why do I get paid X amount for X hours every week? 
And why does that vary across several different jobs and industries? And why is it so different depending on the type of work you do, the type of labor, where you work, as well as how many years you've been working? And coincidentally, I've watched this really great YouTube video on what is the value of money. And I think it really woke me in terms of why we have money. And I already knew this because, you know, back in the day we had a barter system. And back in the day, the way people exchange goods or value was just through bartering. Like, hey, give me a chicken for some rice. Stuff like that existed because they didn't have money They didn't have a form to capture this quote-unquote value. And now that we do, it just makes transactions so much simpler, right? Before, we would just pay in coins, now cash, now credit cards, now digital. It's crazy how fast our financial system has evolved and how fast our economy has been evolving and why it's so important to keep up with both our political and economic system because they are intertwined. But going back to what is the value of money? It truly is nothing more than what we assign it if you think about a standard $10 bill, right? It has no meaning in actuality. In our reality, it does. And what it means is you can use this to purchase something of equivalent value. So my point here is if we get set salary and set raises and set bonuses and set dollar amount value for the work we do, does that make you think twice about your value? Because think about your value as a human and how much time we have left on this world. I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing you should question is, do you feel valued at the job you're at or the role you're going into? And do you feel like you're getting the value that you provide to the company in the form of the right amount of salary and bonus and incentives that you deserve because you believe that your skills, your experiences require x amount of dollars and if the answer is no you should really reevaluate what you really want and what your needs are because at the at the at the beginning of all of this for personal finance is really understanding your value and i think we have the privilege to go to school have a secondary education and really pursue avenues and careers that are very lucrative like business and not everyone gets fairly paid and there's definitely a lot of blue collar labor that is definitely not getting the full value that they deserve because they are, you know, essential to the economy and maybe they're not the most important work, but we definitely need them. And so the first topic and I think is the most important is understanding just why we have money. What is the point of money? What is this value? And to really remove your emotions from it and I know this is why it's a sensitive topic and can cause fights and can cause A lot of drama and issues is money. But when we remove ourselves from this notion that money is evil and that if people didn't want money, life would be better, we can then start seeing it as what it should be seen, as a form of value. You do X labor for X money. And I believe that's how you should think about it. You should value your money, value your time equally. And if you like truly understand that topic itself, It can really help you shape good personal habits that will help you increase your wealth and do more things with the money you already have. It can really remind you to cherish that money and to appreciate what you have and not treat it as, you know, dollar signs in your bank account. I think that's the important thing. Money is scarce and it doesn't last forever. So how can you create more of it or spend less of it? Which really leads me to my next topic which is essentially budgeting, right? 
how much of your money are you spending on food, transportation, entertainment, clothing, utilities, etc. Knowing these different buckets and areas that you spend money on, and especially those areas that you overspend, I think are super insightful. And I know it sounds dreadful and boring, but I promise you there are templates and there are apps that make this process so much easier. And it's so important. And it's really the first step to controlling your expenses is to understand what you're spending on and then where to cut back, where maybe you can actually spend a little more if you want to. Um, it's okay to have a little fun every month. You don't have to save 99% of it. And I know that's not even possible, but you get what I'm trying to say. But understanding those areas of spend are crucial. And I know a lot of people say live below your means. And I don't really support that statement wholeheartedly, but I will support if you can live slightly below your means or even just enough where you can save 20 to 30% of your take-home salary every month, that is a really, really great habit and skill. Because a lot of people in America are living paycheck to paycheck. And honestly, that scares me. And I think it's a wake-up call for those who are maybe practicing similar habits, like paying for things like last minute or, you know, spending every dime of your salary. That's not not helpful at all with building your long-term wealth. Because what happens is you become dependent, and I mean dependent on your job. If anything happens, if, you know, per se, another COVID happens and your job is affected and your main, and that's your main source of income, you're kind of doomed. And I think that's something that you need to remind yourself that we're all employees to some nature of someone else, unless you start your own business. And then if you are a business owner, well, great, that's awesome. You can control your income a little bit better, but now you have to worry about making sales. And I think what I'm trying to say is that if you can budget and cut out bad spending habits early in your life and really pocket that difference and save it and invest it, you can really, really grow that money over the long run. And the other point of this is being able to use your newfound insight and save money in areas you didn't know you're overspending and then save it for a personal goal. Save it for a short-term goal where, hey, I want to go to Hawaii. I want to buy a car. I want to buy a house or even a wedding. That is totally, totally great. Because then you don't have to worry about borrowing money and getting into debt. And you can then also build out your emergency savings account, which is really, really important. It's essentially a rainy day fund. And I think everyone knows this, but you should have three to six months of your salary. So if God forbids anything bad happens, you at least have something to rely on. And I think that's definitely the next important step in anyone's short-term goals is to have that fund. And jumping back, I mentioned debt. I do want to say there are two forms of debt. There's good debt and bad debt. Really quickly, bad debt is like student loan debt, credit card debt, private loans. Those are the ones with really, really high interest and can really eat away your savings and your money if you don't pay them off quickly. And the good debt is something that everyone should consider when the time is right is to buy a home and to borrow money to pay for a mortgage. Mortgage debt is totally fine. You can write it off. It is a great long-term asset. In general, any form of debt where the interest is relatively low, I would say 2 to 3%, and you can use that money or capital to reinvest into something that 
provides a greater return, that's kind of good debt. And it gets more complicated depending on where your income is, you know, what kind of investments you're doing. But just a general note, there is good debt. It just has to be within your capabilities to pay back. And it's not too high of an interest rate where you're really paying mostly interest and you're not paying down the principal. That's where they get you. And you're just in this forever loop of paying back debt that will never decrease over time. And so just just a fun fact, I think not everyone thinks of debt like this, but definitely there can be a lot of great use cases for debt. Uh, I think early in our lives, there's not a lot. So I would stay away if you can. And remember, we just talked about what the value of money is and why it's important to save your money and to really cherish your money. Because of course, one big factor is a lot of people are limited to one full-time job. Maybe you have some part-time gigs here and there, but you depend on mainly one source of income. And that's totally normal. I think a lot of people in this world are bound to this. And it's such a really, really risky factor if you think about how if anything happens to that one main source of income, it wipes out all your future opportunities and now you're left scrambling to replace it. It's really scary (laughs) when I make it sound like that, even in business. I mean, you can get fired, you can get laid off anytime. You're not guaranteed work perpetually. And so I want to bring in this topic of diversifying your income streams. Now, I know this is probably really big now on YouTube, and a lot of YouTube creators actually talk about this, and a lot of small business owners, of course, and I love it. But you do need to be wary of your own time management and being able to identify the most lucrative streams. Now, there can be multiple different types of avenues to make money but we only have a finite amount of time every day and you want to choose those that will be the most consistent in bringing in income and hopefully one day automated so you don't have to put in as much effort as initially and i think this is what you hear a lot about people you know starting a youtube channel or pursuing their passion projects and building out small businesses to one day quit their nine to five Now, there's nothing wrong with a 9 to 5, and I'm sure I said this before, and I love my 9 to 5, and I think it provides a very great work-life balance, and I think I get the value that I deserve, but I know this doesn't apply to everyone, so for those maybe stuck in some job that they are not excited about and they're not getting enough income from, I think it's really important for you to reevaluate what your skills are, what you're passionate about, because that's where you're going to be the most successful, and it's ultimately going to translate to more money and hopefully (laughs) more fun because it's work that you enjoy. But going back to just being able to diversify your income streams, there's actually quite a few ways to do that without starting a YouTube channel or starting like a dropship (laughs) business. And you can look these up online, but just to name a few, I think the most easy way is to have a high yield interest savings account or to own interest bearing kind of assets. For example, like high yield dividend stocks you know, in your retirement account or a Roth account. These are ways to build passive income where you're literally getting paid day by day without having to move an inch. Think about royalties from stock photos or maybe clothes that you were planning to sell or maybe a hobby that you already like to do every week, but then you think about ways to monetize it. These are technically forms of passive income, although you are putting in hours and effort the more consistent and the more you do these kind of projects and 
work, the easier and faster it is to do them. And eventually you can scale them and outsource them potentially. But remember, there's no get rich quick kind of schemes here. There's no way you can get rich overnight doing any of these passive income ideas. Really, they're there to support your main income source, whether that's a nine to five or your small business. You need to have something more consistent and something that can really help pay for the bills. And that's why the first point is so important, where it's like understanding your key expenses. Because once you can like narrow down what you really need to pay for on a monthly basis, you can really understand what you need to actually bring in as a form of income every month to live off of. And that might translate to scaling back your nine to five or scaling back the amount of work you do and more into what hobbies you enjoy if you're at a level of comfortability and you don't have a lot of expenses. Now, I'm pretty, pretty bad at just like not splurging from time to time. So I definitely need to continue building out the assets that I own and to continue growing the career that I chose so I can I can find my lavish lifestyle, if you will. I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say that, but definitely uh, it brings me a lot of joy. But I know it's not for everyone. And so I might take a longer path to building my long-term wealth, but that's okay with me. But yeah, that's one of the secrets to becoming a millionaire is to have more than one main income source. Because the moment you are not bound to just one job per se, you can really, really drive more success in things that you're interested in. And you can really bring in more income without having to be anchored to one job. And it just makes you feel more reassured, to be honest. Uh, I I definitely need to keep working on this aspect of my life. Okay, so jumping to the next topic. I already mentioned this, but obviously, if you don't have a checkings account by yourself, not by your parents, you definitely should start one. And also have a high-yield savings account, not just a regular savings account. Right now, interest rates are still pretty low. So the kind of return you're getting from these accounts is still relatively low. But if things get back to normal soon, you should be seeing at least uh, 1% to 2% you know, APY every year. And what that means is you're able to at least fight off inflation, which is definitely another important topic, but for another time. And these are ways to store your money and really to make sure you're honest. I know it's really tough to see your checking account and not spend every nickel and dime on there. So to have a separate savings account, one that you can't really use and one that you're limited in withdrawals and one that's almost like a black box really creates a good habit of saving money. And although I don't really use one right now, I'm using a different kind of account to accrue interest a little bit more aggressively. I do support savings accounts and definitely for rainy day funds, you definitely want to put it in a high yield savings account. Now, the other topic that's also very important to me is just talking about IRAs, which are investment retirement accounts. Now, if you aren't familiar, there's really two main types. There's a Roth and a traditional IRA. And at the same time, your employer will give you a 401k, a traditional 401k and a Roth 401k, if that sounds familiar. And the amazing part of having both of these tools are that you can save and invest for your retirement so early on and your employer can match and most employers match you on this. So 
definitely, first of all, max out your raw 401k match maximum and then, you know, start saving. I think I, I might have skipped that step, but definitely want to prioritize that. That's free money they're giving to you just to incentivize you to invest in the 401k. And I love that. Really great benefit. Anyhow, but I'm going to talk about IRAs because those are more relevant to personal finance and to regular people who might not be in the business realm. I think, for example, I want to talk about why you would choose a Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA. And I, funny enough, (laughs) had to explain to my parents why ultimately a Roth IRA was way better for me in my particular age group and income level versus how they knew of the traditional IRA, which is something they've always used. And I think they found a lot of success in it. And I think it makes sense for the right individuals or families. But for those listening, if you are single under 25 and your income is lower than 100K, just to set you know an example, specifically if your income level isn't high enough and you think your income is going to increase year over year, which it should you know for anyone in any kind of field, If you're below 100K, for sure, I can tell you this. If you think about it from a tax perspective, you want to avoid taxes in the future when your income is at higher levels where you're in those higher tax brackets. And the purpose of a Roth IRA is to pay taxes up front so that when you do retire, and I think it's 59 and a half, you can start withdrawing from these IRA accounts, which is amazing. You can start withdrawing tax-free no matter what city or state you're in, no matter what their tax laws are, you get to take that money out tax-free. And why is that amazing? Because if you're a young single individual in the lower income brackets, paying a 22 to 25% you know, percent tax upfront right now to then turn around and put into a Roth IRA to invest in an ETF or a mutual fund or even stocks, And to let that grow over the next 40 years and to then withdraw that tax-free is honestly a life hack. And I don't know why people don't stress the importance of this tool enough. Because fun fact, once you make above a certain threshold of income, I can't remember if it was 120K, you're not even allowed to, I believe, invest in a Roth IRA or something like that. I might be wrong, disclaimer. But that just shows how incredible of a tool a Roth IRA is that to uh, once you're at a certain like level of income, they don't want you using it or you're not really allowed to. Um, but anyways, the maximum you can contribute to a Roth or a traditional IRA is 6000 a year. So definitely doable, but that's something I would definitely prioritize right after you get your 401k match from your employer which again, I would definitely recommend Roth 401k. If you believe your income is going to increase and you're in the lower tax brackets, oh, and you have to be in a state with a relatively low income tax or no income state tax like Texas or Washington, etc., this definitely makes sense to pay taxes up front federally now. But if you are in New York or you know SF, California, sure. Maybe it makes sense to do traditional IRA, especially if you're already in a very higher income bracket. Maybe you're a software engineer or investment banker. Sure. Maybe traditional makes sense. Maybe you're going to move to a state with lower income taxes in the future. Maybe your income isn't going to grow that much more. Sure. 
So those are some off-case scenarios where maybe in a traditional IRA makes more sense, where you defer the tax to after you retire. So basically, you don't pay any taxes up front. You can then also decrease your income, which is a which is a really cool actually. Where if you invest the six thousand, or you put the six thousand in traditional, you can pretty much decrease your income by six thousand. So you can pretty much move yourself into maybe a lower tax bracket and save money up front. But the con is, you know, in forty years, whatever capital gains or interest you've made from those investments are going to be taxed at whatever state federal level tax, you know, that is set in whatever that year you are withdrawing. And we can't control the future tax rates. We don't know if it'll be lower or higher. And we don't know what state you're going to end up being. If you know you want to retire in Texas or Florida or somewhere where the tax is really, really nice, then I guess it does make sense to do traditional versus if you know right now you're not paying a lot of taxes and you're in a lower income bracket, pay them now. Get it out of the way so that when you retire and you withdraw from your Roth IRA, you can withdraw tax-free. And it's like whatever number you see in that account is your money and it just feels good. But again, I think there's a lot more complexities to the strategy that I'm really explaining. Would definitely do your own due diligence and research into Roth IRA versus traditional IRAs, regardless of which path you end up choosing. I think it doesn't hurt to, you know, have that 6,000 max every year. It's it's really such a great opportunity, regardless of what decision you end up making. Awesome. And I think I already hinted at it, but I think investing is super important. Definitely don't have time to talk about in this episode, but definitely look up YouTube videos. Definitely try to understand what it is the stock market, the bond market, money capital markets are really important. And I know not everyone had a chance to learn about this in school. I did have one class on this and I do really, really enjoy talking about topics involved around investing and the economy and understanding you know, what is going on in the stock market. I'm sure a lot of heads are turning on Dogecoin now these days, but I think it's really important to have a general grasp of your risk tolerance, understanding what your financial goals are in the short term, three to five years, long term, 10, 15 years and post, you know, retirement. What are your goals? First, identify those and then identify how risk tolerant you are. Do you care if your money goes up and down every day Or do you just want to be reassured of a constant inflow of money and a constant growth that's steady? I think those are important questions to ask because I think everyone needs to understand where they're putting their money in, whether it's your 401k, IRA, or even a regular brokerage account. Know what you're investing in because the whole point of investing is to either own shares of a company so you're owning an asset or to own bonds, which are basically big IOUs that give you guaranteed interest or return on your money that you're essentially investing or you're lending actually. So really, really look into this. If you guys are interested, I can definitely talk more about investing I'm definitely not a guru by any means, but (laughs) I do enjoy it because it's very entertaining. And I know we're about near the end, but I didn't mention this. Super, super important, guys. Credit score, credit cards, scary topics, but you definitely want to aim to have a good credit score. And I believe that range is from 720 to 780. And then excellent is like above 780. Who cares? But For those listening, if you haven't started building your credit history, 
aka to build a good credit score, you need to start now. And if maybe you're still in college, maybe you don't have income, your parents can definitely get you one of those joint credit cards under your name to start building your credit history. And why that's important is because from a lending perspective, that's one of the biggest, biggest numbers and biggest key indicators to banks or any other kind of lending facility of your risk. And so the higher credit score, the less risky you are, quote unquote, and the less likely you're going to default on a loan. And this comes in play when you're borrowing money to buy a car or borrowing money to buy a house. Anything that involves borrowing (laughs) has to do with your credit score. And I mentioned credit cards because you can get rejected from really great credit cards that honestly have the best perks and give you the best value if your credit score is too low. And so definitely, definitely take care of that credit score, pay your debts on time and look into good credit cards. And I think this is another episode, but I think credit cards can provide a lot of value. There's travel credit cards, there's cashback credit cards. There's a lot of things you can do with credit cards that you can't do with just your debit card or like transactions where you're not leveraging this good debt. And I forgot to mention, but credit cards are good debt. If you pay them off every month on time where you're not getting charged like 16% interest rate because you're able to effectively leverage your money, right? If you want to buy something now that's $1,000, but your checking account is $900, um, what are you going to do? Wait till your next check? No, you can buy it with the credit card and then you already know because you're good at budgeting and you looked at how much you spend every month that you can afford to pay another $100 and take that out of your next check that comes in two weeks per se. So it's all interconnected, and the whole aspect of personal finance is intertwined with understanding what your goals are personally, and understanding what you want for your future, and understanding where you spend money, and where you can cut back to save money. Because think about what I said about the diversification income streams. It's all about understanding how to limit your risks, Limit your risk to downside where you can effectively be broke within the next month, right? All these are just habits to prevent you from going broke the next month in layman terms, like literally just living day by day, you could go broke at any point and no one's going to bail you out, right? And I think that's what a lot of people don't know or these small little habits and these tactics really build up to long-term wealth. And that's all I wanted you guys to know. You can do it. I know this is kind of long and a lot, but there's a lot of really helpful resources online. And just know that you're not alone. Everyone is on this journey to better manage their money and to better, you know, invest and grow their wealth because that's what will help you in the long run. Make better decisions, help more people, create opportunities. And that's how I think about wealth and the value of money. It opens doors for you and those who aren't as privileged because the more money or the more wealth you can accrue, the more people you can help because you can't help yourself if you're living paycheck to paycheck. So how do you think you're going to help someone if you are not able to help yourself, right? And 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 that's that's the most important piece. It's not about getting rich quick or being a millionaire. It's really how do you create wealth to help other people? And I think if everyone lived like this, it would be great. But that's how I'm thinking about this long-term journey and why I think it's so important to handle your finances so early on, because I definitely want to help more people and I can't help them if I'm living paycheck to paycheck, right? 
with that being said, guys, I hope this was interesting. I know this was different. I hope you guys learned something. This is something I really like talking about because it's not something people explain to you in college or high school. And I really think it should be required in our education system. Hot take. And yeah, I hope everyone has a great rest of their weeks. Remember, the summer's coming up. Start making plans. Start having fun safely, of course. And stay connected, guys. I appreciate you who have been listening from day one. You, you guys know who you are. I love you all so much. And signing off, best regards, Brian. Thank you.